You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Radio.com Sports presents Big Time Baseball with MLB insider John Heyman and former major leaguer Tony Gwynn Jr. Happy New Year's, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Big Time Baseball. I'm your host, Tony Gwynn Jr. John Heyman out. And today we have Tim Kelly, RDC Sports Baseball writer, uh, covers the Phillies as well. And Tim, want to welcome you on. Happy New Year, my man. Happy New Year, Tony. I'm very happy to be on. And it actually works out perfectly because two of your former teams and one of the teams that I cover have been really at the forefront of the news over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. It's It was pretty much radio silence, uh, and it's kind of gone back to the 2019-2018 free agency where everything's just been real slow, and lo and behold, A.J. Preller, as usual, saves the uh, <laughs> saves the offseason with a, a huge uh, coup of two different trades and, and a free agent signing. And, and I got to tell you, Tim, the vibe around here in San Diego is really nothing like I've ever seen uh, before. I mean, uh, maybe the the Chargers in 94 and, and the Padres in 98 come close, but uh, there, were, there weren't the expectations that are leading into this 2020 season that there were for those seasons. So from that standpoint, this has been a huge coup. Uh, obviously, you Darvish, Blake Snell – and hey, son Kim uh, from from Korea, come over to the Padres, and I think this makes this team an immediate World Series contender on paper, at least. Yeah, I think the vibe has to be that the team is starting to close the gap in the division, and, and even more than that, I think what Padres fans should be excited about is that they've hit a sweet spot where AJ Prella really seems like he's one of the very best executives in the sport. They've acquired so much talent over the past two years. And I, I'm in most impressed by the trades. They've acquired Mike Clevenger, Blake Snell, Yu Darvish, Austin Nola, and they've done so without really touching their top five prospects. And they've done such a good job of developing internally that when you do make these trades where you have to part with some prospects, you're confident that you're just going to continue to draft and develop other pieces to replace those pieces that you've traded away. Now, there's no doubt about it. Uh, 2014. They made the real tough decision uh, to strip everything down uh, from the very beginning. 
And that's not an easy decision when you have names on your roster like Justin Upton, Matt Kemp, uh, Shields. I mean, they had a slew, a Kimbrel. They had a slew of really talented players, and they made the decision to strip it down. And for five years, A.J. Preller has stayed uh, disciplined uh, throughout it, whether it was uh, drafting, signing international guys, making the right prospect trades, bringing other prospects here who he then flipped later on. Um, it's been it's been pretty sweet. Now, Tim, you mentioned uh, closing the gap on the Dodgers. That's not an easy task because as the Padres are making these moves, although, although the Dodgers haven't made any free agents move free agency moves yet, they're rumored to be in on uh, DJ LeMayhew. They always always draft and develop they do that better than almost anybody in baseball and so that gap's going to be close tough to close but there's no doubt in my mind at this point especially the way the Padres played them last season um, that this team is is going to be competing for a division and when you're competing at this point when you're competing for an NL West division that also means you're probably a contender for for a World Series too as well. Yeah, I think the Dodgers are the favorite in the division, but could the Padres beat them in a postseason series? Absolutely. And they've added so much pitching. We've almost forgot about Lamette and Chris Paddock. Imagine if those guys continue to take a step forward. The Padres, especially once Mike Clevenger comes back next year, could have an entire rotation's worth of guys that you trust to pitch in a postseason series, which is scary. And even if maybe the Dodgers are the favorite, the Padres have absolutely closed the gap with the Atlanta Braves in terms of that second best team in the National League. And again, you don't feel like this is a situation where they pushed in for one or two seasons. They've built a team that should be good for 10 years. Yeah. And, and listen, there's there's still a lot of questions to be answered here, right? Uh one of the one of the Padres' most productive players last year, aside from Fernando Tatis Jr. and and, and Manny Machado, was was Will Myers. Uh, he had a terrific season, was in the running for comeback player of the year. But it's important to remember that was sixty games. We're we're moving back into closer to the one sixty two. Probably won't be that many uh, this year, is my guess. It'll probably be a little less. But we're talking about a longer season, and and the questions will remain: Can he maintain that over a course of a long season? Because we saw Will, and I think it was the twenty fourteen season where he was an all star, and 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 all of a sudden at the second half he really struggled. So. It'll be interesting to see if if he can maintain that. Certainly, the Dodgers, listen, they're, they're World Series champs. They can't be – that throne is not taken away from them until they are beaten. So they'll go in as the favorites. And although the gap is closed, there's prob- probably a still a little edge there to the Dodgers. But certainly, um, this has made this team one of the top notch. Now, in terms of expectations, Tim – it's going to be uh, everybody will be all eyes will be on the Padres for the first time in forever. And expectations will be something that they have to deal with. Although I will say they do have some World Series winners on there. Yeah, I mean, last season, I don't know if they necessarily snuck up on people, but it was a situation where they came of age maybe a year earlier than some people expected them to do. That's not going to happen this year. But this is a team that plays with so much confidence and swagger that I almost feel like they'll just kind of flick it to the side and not be bothered by it and kind of continue to do what they're doing. And the thing is, as much as this is a team we're going to pay attention to nationally, this is not Philadelphia, New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, where every move is hyper-scrutinized. 
there's a little bit more leeway in San Diego. And I, I think that allows you to go through some of the lulls of a season without generating as much panic as you would in some of the larger markets. No, there, there's zero, zero doubt about that. I mean, uh, locally, that pressure will be there, no doubt about it. But from a national standpoint, listen, we're San Diego. It's just it's just different playing in Philadelphia, New York, L.A., as you mentioned. Um, that national scrutiny won't be there as much as, say, if the Phillies were in this same position or the Yankees were in this same position. That's just a, a matter of fact. Now, the, the, the piece of business that the Padres seem to be focused on right now, Tim, is, is trying to get an extension done with Fernando Tatis Jr. Now, from, from my personal opinion, I, I feel like this is going to be a tough gap to close because if you're Fernando Tatis Jr., you're looking at the market of shortstops that are on their way, and part of you may want to see what that market looks like. Uh, but in a, in a pandemic era that we're in, part of it may want to go ahead and, and get some stability now. It, it's going to remain to be seen, Tim. Yeah, if there's been any uncertainty about Fernando Tatis in his early career, it's just been the ability to stay on the field. So you could understand how maybe he'd be tempted to take a deal like what Ronald Acuna did with the Braves. But ultimately, I think the risk-reward there pushes you towards make as much money as you can. He's not arbitration eligible till next year, but make as much money as you can through the arbitration system. And then either the Padres come in with a big offer or or you ultimately end up elsewhere after the 2024 season. But but in a lot of senses, that's like, a, a, I know in San Diego, that's probably something people are extremely focused on. But it is a, a more longer-term goal. The Padres have have to do that in terms of ascending into being one of the sports elites or elite organizations. But I think it is something you have a little bit of time to worry about and figure out. It's not something that necessarily needs to get done right now. But... When you get a superstar like him, maybe as an organization you aren't going to spend like the Dodgers or the Yankees. Maybe when Blake Snell's deal is up or Mike Clevenger's deal is up, you're not going to re-sign them. But when Fernando Tatis's deal is up, that is not someone you can allow to walk out the door. So I, I certainly understand both sides. Yeah, no, there, there's zero doubt about it. I mean, um, when you look at Fernando and his age, uh, he's going to have – two big bites at this apple. And I'm talking about the free agency apple. Now the time clock for the Padres is, is interesting because remember two years ago, they elected uh, to bring him up from the start of opening day, which puts him in position where after this season's over, he'll be arbitration eligible. And the Padres have to weigh paying a, it's going to be a hefty raise <laughs> his first year. And if they can afford to do that and keep the pieces in play, it, it, it it's not a bad idea to go ahead and, and play the long game. However, if the numbers don't look right and you never know what they're going to look like, especially considering the situation that we're in, um, it may be in their best interest to try to get something done. But ultimately that falls on Fernando Tatis Jr. If he wants to get something done, he can make something get done. But uh, it also, as you mentioned, Tim, it, it could be in his benefit to, to, to play the long game. Uh, I want to get into some of these deals because you kind of hit on it a little bit earlier, Tim, in terms of uh, the Padres acquiring Blake Snell, acquiring you, Darvish. Uh, they did not have to get into their top five prospects. And, 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 it, and to me, it, boiled down, it boils down to timing, right? Nobody got to see any of the minor, leagues, minor league pitchers, players uh, play last year because there was no minor league season. And you have to wonder – 
did that play a part in a lot of these teams maybe not even asking for a guy like Mackenzie Gore, right? Because he never made his way up to the big league level, whereas Patino and some of the other guys that's been mentioned in these trades got a chance to play at the big league level. And and you wonder if it's kind of a blessing in disguise for the Padres because uh, they didn't have to give up Gore. Yeah, I think you have two different situations because with Blake Snell, it really doesn't make a ton of sense to me because he's on an extremely team-friendly deal through 2023. So the Rays did not have to trade him. Maybe they wanted to save money, whatever the case may be. But this is someone that had a ton of value where if you can't get the top Maybe you're not going to get Mackenzie Gore, but if you can't get number two or number three in the system, you keep him, which would be my thinking. In the case of you, Darvish, I think it may be more of a situation, yes, the the Cubs absolutely want to cut costs, but he's also about to be 35, has a high price tag. It may be a situation not that dissimilar from when the Marlins traded John Carlos Stanton to the Yankees after 2017, where you're getting rid of an asset that is a really, really good player, but you know the contract may not age well and you're getting that out while you can. So maybe that's the case with the Cubs. But the Blake Snell trade is a lot harder for uh, me to swallow as someone covering the sport. Yeah, that that was the one I was really referring to. You Darvish has a, has a lot of money on the book, so the value isn't the same as somebody like Blake Snell, who, as you mentioned, is on a team-friendly deal. And there's no reason that you have to trade him. He, even he said when we got a chance to sit down and talk with him last week, even he said – he didn't think it was going to happen this year. He was thinking more of next year of when it would happen. But uh, the Padres strike when the time is right, and uh, they come away with the deal. Now, the other the other big deal they've made over this offseason is is signing Sung Kim, who uh, is from Korea, the second base, or the, I should say infielder that uh, puts about 30 homers a year over the fence. And uh, you get a lot of – the guys I've talked to, you get a lot of ranges of, of what kind of player – Hey, son, Kim is going to be. You get anything from the next uh, an all-star type uh, infielder to uh, a utility guy that can be valuable uh, to your squad. What do you think of this signing, Tim? I liked it quite a bit. I know there are a little bit of concerns about where he's going to play on this team. But if you look at what's made the Dodgers so successful, exactly, it's that they've had five guys for three or four positions and. You know, maybe Will Myers has a down year and you want to use Jake Cronenworth elsewhere. Whatever the case may be, you have options now that you haven't had maybe for the entire existence of the Padres <laughs> franchise. No you have those options now, and that's how you're going to compete. Maybe the Dodgers aren't going to be as good as they've been the last few years, but that organization is not going anywhere. You know to win this division, you're going to consistently need to win 95 to 100 games. And to do that, you cannot be a top-heavy team. And I think by making this signing, they've signaled that, yes, we love Manny Machado, we love Fernando Tatis, but this is a team that needs their versions of Kike Hernandez and Max Muncy and different guys that you can move around the diamond. Tim, you literally are in my brain right now because that's it. That's exactly as these moves went down is what I thought of. You know, everybody out here in San Diego was freaking out. Where's Cronenworth going to go? And I'm thinking, wait a minute. You, we've been trying to 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 catch the Dodgers. The best way to do it is is to start building our rosters the same way they do it. And certainly, uh, the fact that they're able to add a guy like Hayson Kim who can play all over the infield. Uh, it gives them that depth, and that's what the Dodgers, I think, 
uh, have over everybody else in the league is their depth and quality of depth. They don't just have extra guys. They got extra guys that are good at the positions that they ask them to play more than adequate. So uh, that certainly uh, is a step in the right direction for the Padres. Now, really, the only other team, Tim, that's been making any type of noise in this offseason is, is the Phillies. And it's really been in the front office from that standpoint. What is the Phillies' approach to this offseason? That's a very good question because in many senses, this is an offseason where the Phillies are resetting. They have a new president of baseball operations and Dave Dombrowski. Sam Fold was promoted to GM. And Dombrowski has said, he said, it's not a rebuild, but it is a retool. And all evidence is that the team thinks they're more likely to compete in 2022 or 2023 as opposed to 2021. The problem is you have, in addition to Bryce Harper, Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler, Reese Hoskins, guys on your roster that are ready to compete now, you have to make a decision this offseason on a catcher in JT Real Muto, who is absolutely the best catcher in the sport. But he's at his peak right now. He's going to turn 30 before the 2021 season begins. And you're trying to decide how do you balance that with also kind of knowing you're a couple years away. Yeah, that's that's a tough one, especially in that Philly market. I, I, I've played it. I played a year in Philly. Uh, the fans are as passionate as it gets, and the expectations are always high, even even for bad Philly teams. And uh, this is this is a tough decision right here for the Phillies. I, I mean, as you break it down, Tim, it, it seems to make sense uh, that maybe you let JT Realmuto walk this year because if you're not competing uh, in the 2021 season. Is it really worth spending that kind of money, especially as you mentioned to me before we came on here with the shortstop class that's coming in 2022? Yeah, it's something to think about. Now, in a perfect world, you could re-sign JT Real Muto and also sign one of those shortstops because the Phillies financially afford to do that. Absolutely. But in a less idealistic world where we're dealing with what the pandemic is and owners pinching pennies and different things like that. The reality is if you sign JT Realmuto this offseason, you're probably not looking at signing Carlos Correa or whoever, Francisco Lindor, next offseason. So it's just something to ponder. I'm not necessarily saying the Phillies shouldn't re-sign JT Realmuto, but there is a chance that by the time this team is actually ready to compete, JT Realmuto is past his peak. Catchers usually peak. 28 to 31 in that range. If you think you're a year or two away, you may be into some of the leaner years of JT Realmuto's contract before you're even truly ready, not just to compete if there's extra wild card spots, but to really compete with the Padres, the Dodgers, the Braves, all the rest of the teams in the National League and potentially beyond. So it's something to consider. The Phillies have kind of put themselves in this situation by bumping their timeline up a few years earlier when they made this trade. The thing to remember, though, as much as Dave Dombrowski may have been told coming in, we'd really like to keep JT Realmuto. Dave Dombrowski did not trade for JT Realmuto. So there will not be blood on his hands necessarily if he leaves in the same way there would have been if Matt Kluntak was still making the decisions. Now, where are the Phillies at with their minor league system? And I ask that because if you, if for some reason they decide not to bring a guy and a guy back like uh, Riamuto, uh, we know the Cubs are shopping Wilson Contreras right now. Could do they have enough in their farm system to be able to bring a guy on like that? 
Yeah, I don't think they'd make that type of trade. And that really just makes you wonder, are you re-signing JT Realmuto because of his popularity and just because you want to have more good players as opposed to because you're in a position to compete right at that moment? Because if the alternative is you sign JT Realmuto or you don't make another major move this offseason, it kind of th- those two things are kind of conflicting in my mind. I, I don't see a trade for Wilson Contreras. I don't see them making a, a big deal at all. A, beyond Spencer Howard and Alec Bohm, there's not a ton to work with. And B, the pieces there are to work with, this is an organization that desperately needs to conti- to begin to internally develop talents. When the Phillies won from 2007 to 11, sure, eventually you brought in Roy Halladay and Cliff Lee and Hunter Pence, but you won with Chase Utley, Ryan Howard, Jimmy Rollins, Cole Hamels, Ryan Madsen, guys you developed internally. And since then, the, the Phillies, quite frankly, have been a disaster at continually developing talents. We talked about it with the Padres in the sense that they can make one of these major trades, and it's not the end of the world giving up a prospect because you're going to develop another prospect. With the Phillies, if you trade Alec Bohm or Spencer Howard or whoever, it may be another three or four years before you have a, a prospect of that caliber, which makes you covet the ones that you do ultimately develop. Yeah, uh, winning a lot can be intoxicating, and, and you could forget where you know your bread is buttered. For the Phillies, as you mentioned, during that long run, it was pretty much homegrown guys, and then they kind of got into the free agency turnstile and 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 just forgot about the the prospects. Uh, Tim, let's talk a little bit about these uh, some of the remaining free agents. Uh, George Springer seems to be uh, in the middle of a bidding war between the Mets and Blue Jays. Uh, I feel like this would this would be tough for the Mets if they, if they lose out on a guy like George Springer. Yeah, I know John reported he has multiple offers of over $100 million, but like most of these free agents, there still appears to be a bridge to gap. I'd imagine he ends up around $130, $135 million, and I, I still believe the Mets are the best fit. If they do land him, ultimately it comes down to this. Every year the Mets underperform what they are on paper. So you take this with a grain of salt, but you add George Springer, and to me there's no question that the Mets are the second-best team in the NL East, could compete with the Braves, and at a minimum should win a wild card when you get Noah Syndergaard and Marcus Stroman back. Just a matter of whether it actually plays out that way. It's one thing for Steve Cohen to come in with all this optimism it's another thing to change that culture that immediately. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, although this team uh, wasn't far out of a playoffs just two seasons ago, uh, it does it. It is a tough. It is a tall order. Uh, you come in, owner comes in with a lot of money, does not guarantee that the team's immediate success follows. Um, the only really other free agent that's making any type of noise is DJ Lemayhew. Uh, Tim, and it seems like going into this offseason that it was a pretty much a slam dunk that he would return to the Yankees. All of a sudden the Dodgers have appeared on this, on his list and are are trying to, to bring him aboard. It seems like. Yeah. And this does feel like the Dodgers beginning to feel some heat from the Padres. We, we know that Dave Roberts and the Dodgers really like players with positional flexibility and in DJ LeMahieu, in addition to being one of the game's elite offensive players, You have a guy that can play multiple infield positions. You could have him at second base and shift Gavin Lux to third. You could keep Gavin Lux at second and play DJ LeMahieu at third. And we know DJ LeMahieu is also capable of playing first base. But, you know, you really wonder if the Padres hadn't made 
some of these moves, would they have been a little bit, the Dodgers have been a little bit more content just to re-sign Justin Turner and kind of run it back with that as opposed to potentially making this type of move. The, the biggest issue here still is that DJ LeMayu's asking price appears to be too high for all parties involved. He's going to have to come down a bit. I know five years, $125 million was one of the numbers reported out there. Once he does that, once he comes down from that, you'd think that a return to the Yankees is the most likely outcome. But this is a situation where you do appear to have the Dodgers and Blue Jays, who are not just parties kind of monitoring the situation. They're legitimately interested here. And it'll be interesting the repercussions this has on whatever teams don't ultimately sign DJ LeMahieu. Does that change who ultimately signs JT Real Muto? Who signs George Springer? There's going to be a lot of ramifications because the Blue Jays seem like a team motivated to spend in some way this offseason. So if they don't get DJ LeMahieu, where do they turn? And if the Dodgers aren't able to do that, do they then turn to the trade market and try to make a move for Chris Bryant, Nolan Arenado, Francisco Lindor, whoever, as they try to kind of – it's not keeping up with the Joneses because they're ahead of the Padres, but make sure they stay ahead. Well, listen, I I think in terms of the free agency as a whole, a lot will break when those guys that we just mentioned sign contracts because then the trickle-down effect starts to happen. More teams will be active, I believe, but certainly – It'll be interesting to see where the big free agents land. That's going to do it for this episode of Big Time Baseball. I want to thank Tim for coming on. Tim, appreciate you being on today covering for John. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Tony Gwynn Jr. John is at John Heyman. And now on this show, uh, you can follow follow us on Twitter as well. Follow us at RDC underscore BTB. Make sure you're subscribed, rate, and review Big Time Baseball on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcast. All right, until next episode, we'll catch you then. You guys have a good start to your New Year's, and uh, we'll see you again. Take care. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.